mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, this is the time of year many of us get to review our participation in a workplace benefits package. But how are record inflation and fears of a recession impacting the availability of those benefits and the way you should take advantage of them? We'll take a closer look. Also this morning is a postscript to Veterans Day. One of the biggest challenges for veterans in transitioning from the service is in finding a way to translate their military skills into the civilian workforce. But in many cases, it's not as difficult as it may seem. We'll explain. And the Hancock County 4-H program is gearing up for a new year of projects, activities, and fun for all ages and interests. We'll tell you what's happening. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Monday, November 14th, 2022. If you need a reason to celebrate today, it is International Girls Day. It is National American Teddy Bear Day. National Pickle Day. National Spicy Guacamole Day. It is Operating Room Nurse Day. So big salute to the OR nurses. It is World Diabetes Day. And this is, I think, the motto that I'm going to live by today. And I'm going to set the stage for the entire week. I'm going to live by this motto. Loosen up, lighten up day. Loosen up, lighten up. There you go. I like that. Uh, Let's see. So... This is big news. This may be the biggest news of the day that you will hear. And I want to lead off with it here this morning. I want to make sure that you know this is definitely one of the most important stories of the day. The United States tops all other countries in the world in its annual per capita usage of toilet paper. (laughs) The number of toilet paper rolls, according to data... From 2018, which is apparently the most recent year data available on toilet paper usage, U.S. uses more toilet paper rolls than any other in the nation. And that's not the big story, although that is a big story. That is not the big story. The big story here is that not all toilet papers are created equal when it comes to their impact on climate change. This is according to the... National Resource Defense Council's latest version of its annual Issue with Tissue report. (laughs) Yes, there is such a thing as an Issue with Tissue report and scorecard. And um, let's see, some brands that got an A for toilet paper sustainability were Green Forest, Trader Joe's Bath Tissue, and 7th Generation Extra Strong and Soft. While at the other end of the spectrum, among those that got an F score for sustainability, Charmin, Ultra Soft, Ultra Gentle, and Ultra Strong, Kirkland Signature, that's the Costco brand, isn't it? Uh, Quilted Northern, Ultra Plush, and Scott 1000 Sheets Per Roll. Those are the worst toilet papers you can use for, your envi- for the environment. Uh, The group says the most sustainable type of TP to buy is one made from 100% recycled content with at least 50% post-consumer recycled content. Not sure that I want recycled toilet paper. Is this what you are thinking of when you are, you know, 
sitting there on the john doing your business i if it is now you know big big news <laughs> most sustainable toilet papers all right um so how was your weekend it was cold this weekend my goodness we got all that snow on uh, on saturday how crazy was that um i mean i mentioned the other day on this program, if you, you recall, we were talking about how the average high temperature for the month of November in Northwest Ohio is like 49 degrees. And we are we're, we're way above that for the first part of November, which I said the second part of November, you got to figure is going to be incredibly cold to make up for that, to balance that out to an average of 49. And man, it hit this weekend. Snow and everything. My goodness. But... Um, how about this? Uh, talk about uh, ways to spend your weekend. See, because I just spent it kind of hunkered down at home as much as possible. <laughs> Fireplace going, watching the snow outside, and enjoying my hot cocoa, watching football, nothing else. But uh, a, a man in Australia spent the weekend breaking a Guinness World Record by taking a pub crawl to 78, 78 different establishments in a 24-hour period. <laughs> wow. Uh, Heinrich de Villiers, I think is how you pronounce it, uh, just recently received word that his crawl, he actually did this back uh, in February in Melbourne, Australia. Uh, it has now, though, been certified for the record, for most pubs visited in 24 hours by an individual. 80, or 78 in 24 hours. The old record was 67 set by a guy in England. So, uh, he was only required to drink 4.2 ounces of any beverage at each of the establishments visited to take the record. But still... You go to 78 establishments times 4.2 ounces. I mean, you do the math. <laughs> he was probably feeling pretty good by the time his pub crawl was uh, was over. Emphasis on the word crawl by the time that was over. Wow. <clears throat> oh, and how about this? Big news. Over the weekend... Uh, apparently, a highly secretive Space Force plane landed after completing its longest mission to date. Uh, the Boeing X-37B touched down at Kennedy Space Center in Florida on Saturday morning after 908 days in orbit. Now, not a lot is known about the space plane's six, sixth Mission. I didn't even know it was their sixth mission or that they had a, well, it's highly, highly secretive. There's, we didn't know that there was a plane up there. 900 days. Only a few experiments that took place on board have been confirmed, including one in partnership with the Naval Research Laboratory that involved converting solar power into microwave energy. Another was, <laughs> that sounds weird, doesn't it? And solar power into microwave energy from space. Is they doing with that beaming that back down on Earth or something? I don't know. That just sounds very Star Trek-y. Um, another uh, 
experiment was aimed at studying the long-term effects of space radiation on seeds in order to get a better handle on uh, the type of crop production that would be necessary for the establishment of permanently inhabited bases uh, in space and on other planets. So, 900 days uh, in orbit. That's crazy. And, uh, oh, I don't know if you've uh, heard about this, but uh, better get your TikTok fix now while you still can and then start weaning yourself off of it because a ban on TikTok in the U.S. could happen before the new Congress is sworn in this January. The commissioner of the Federal Communications Commission, FCC Commissioner Brendan Carr, has referred to TikTok as China's digital fentanyl. Uh, this was a segment on Fox News. Uh, he said he agrees with potential congressional legislation to ban TikTok in this country because of security risks. And he believes the legislation would have bipartisan support. So if all of that is true, uh, this could be our last holiday season to share on TikTok. What are they going to do for all of these people who have turned TikTok into a money-making career? I mean, there are people who... They don't actually have jobs. They're just content creators on TikTok making oodles and oodles of money. And apparently that's going to go away overnight. Maybe, maybe if uh, this legislation happens. But at least one government official says it could happen before the end of the year. Stay tuned. There you go. Some of the uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Monday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather, partly sunny today, a high of 41, increasing clouds tonight, a low of 30. Despite the chilly weather, people still lined Main Street in Finley for the Veterans Day Parade and attended a service afterward. The parade started at Lincoln Street in South Main and went north to the Hancock County War Memorial where the short service was held. People here in this crowd right now, myself amongst them, and several standing over here, including Nicole Coleman, the director of our Veterans Service Office, she's there and that's what we do we help veterans that's bill johns president of the hancock county veterans council the finley trojan marching band performed the national anthem and taps at the service which you can see a video of on our website blanchard valley health system will no longer be doing temperature screening at their facilities bvhs says the cdc has lifted the requirement of active screening at healthcare facilities and is allowing signage to qualify as screening as a result, effective this week, temperature screening at BVHS facilities, including Blanchard Valley Hospital, will no longer be in place. Get more on the website. A dump truck driver is now charged in a fiery crash that injured an ODOT worker earlier this year. Police say 51-year-old Gregory Priest swerved off of I-77 and hit the parked ODOT truck, causing both trucks to burst into flames. This happened back in May. Priest has been indicted on charges of aggravated vehicular assault and DUI. Police say he was also driving without a valid license. ONN's Dave Chadowski reporting. Get more on that crash, including video, on the website. The Hancock Park District is encouraging people who took a great photo in the park system on the Blanchard River Greenway Trail or on the Blanchard River this year to enter their photography contest. All qualified entries in the contest will be posted on the Hancock Park District Facebook page 
And the photograph that gets the most likes will be named the People's Choice winner. A cash prize of $200 along with a plaque will be awarded. Entries must be received no later than December 4th. Get more details on the contest on the website. Remember, you can always get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. I'm Matt Demchek for 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Well, this is the time of the year when employees typically get a chance to review their workplace benefit offerings. And you'll recall that over the past year or two with the tight labor market, a lot of employers beefed up those benefits as a way to attract and retain staff. So how has all of the economic uncertainty now impacted those fringe benefits and the way employees approach them? Kevin Crane is head of retirement research and insights at Bank of America. Kevin, let's start with the first part of that question first. How has this uncertain economic environment impacted the benefits available to employees? Yeah, it's a great question, Chris, and it certainly has. I mean, so we've done the study for 12 years, and um, this year was different, right? Um, we called it a new era because economic conditions came into play. Uh, people felt, you know, feel right now a little bit less financially secure than they did a year ago. When we asked them why, 80% say inflation. Um, so we certainly see that, but to how you open, we certainly see employers saying, boy, I need to be in that game. I need to help my employees uh, take advantage of the benefits I'm offering them, and I need to help them feel more financially secure. So is that increasing a match in a 401k plan or help manage the health care costs the employee's going to pay to a reasonable level, offering a health savings account, maybe offering emergency savings and student debt programs? The employer is trying to do as much as possible to expand benefits to help their employees through this period. Within the limitations of the company's budget, of course. So what can employees do to to make the most of those uh, benefit offerings? Yeah, so a couple of things. I mean, and, and you're right about the budget. Um, I would say employers also see, though, the other side, that if employees make decisions to leave and go elsewhere, there's a big expense impact to getting new employees. Right. So two things. Two things. Um, think about the 401k. Most most employers, practically all, they match monies in the 401k for what the uh, individual contributes. We still find 40% of employees contributing to 401k don't contribute at least to the level to maximize that employer match. That's free money, right? So just do that, uh, employees, um, to get as much of the company match as you can. That's one big thing. Second, a lot of companies now offering health savings accounts. Uh, alongside their health care, great tax-incented uh, accounts um, to contribute to as an employee, invest long-term. When you use the money um, for qualified medical expenses, you're not taxed on it. So that's a huge benefit to accumulate to help with your health care expenses in the future, uh, adequate savings on that front. And it is to the point of, you know, th- th- that relationship, it is kind of a, symbi- a symbiotic relationship in that uh, any benefits that workers aren't fully taking advantage of uh, will be the first ones to be cut if a company needs to trim the cost of worker benefits. Yeah, it is a symbiotic relationship, right? But as I said, um, what we found is in this very tight labor market, um, in right. some regards, the employees have a bit of an upper hand because they could stay. Um, they could leave, um, go to other places, and benefits and the robustness of benefits the employer offers them is a big part of their decision-making. Right. Uh, so employers have to be really engaged and competitive with their benefits, probably more so than ever before. 
And to that end, how should employers um, continue to evolve those workplace benefits to address the needs of their workforce, which, uh, as you mentioned, is you know, with the, the labor situation being what it is, not only in the driver's seat, but also becoming increasingly diverse. Right. Great point. Great point. Um, because we see that. And what we see is, as you just raised, is, I'll give you an example, like gender, right? Male versus female. Um, females have been historically less financially secure than males. They have different career paths in some cases. So companies are looking for how can they um, maybe educate a little bit differently, um, and, and, and build some programs specifically to help both sides feel financially secure. Age generation, the same thing. Younger people have had great stresses entering the workforce. How can employers help, uh, for example, automatically enroll and increase um, young people's um, contributions to the formal K plan to make it really easy for them? Uh, maybe give them an emergency savings program and student debt programs. And then for the older generation, help them with more Social Security, Medicare education well before they retire. So it's a constantly expanding space for employers on their benefits. And any other uh, guidance that you can offer for employees looking to make the most of their benefits package in the workplace, again, as we head into this uh, open enrollment time of year? Yeah, I would. Um, education is the key, right? Making sure you can access it, Digital is a great way to do it easily and take action. Make sure you understand what your employer is doing and through your phone. Otherwise, if you can do that, use that. It's really simple. You know, we certainly, you know, bettermoneyhabits.com, all one word, is a place where everything you and I talked about, education and concepts we just talked about, they can see more of it and see the education and, and help them think through how they make these decisions. It is that time of year to really take a serious look at this uh, and, and make sure, again, you maximize those benefits uh, that you uh, are offered by your employer. Kevin Crane, Head of Retirement Research and Insights at Bank of America. Kevin, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thanks. I appreciate it. So as a postscript, if you will, to Veterans Day, did you know that about 200,000 members of the military transition into civilian life every year? And that transition, as we were talking about the other day, can be very challenging. One reason is because it can be difficult sometimes to know how or if those military skills will translate into the civilian workforce. Well, Brantley Underhill is Managing Director of North America at the Project Management Institute. And Brantley, we say how or if those military skills translate, but right up front, it's more often than not, it is how, not if. I mean, a lot of times people are surprised that, yeah, they do actually translate. Yeah, they do. And oftentimes when this transi transition's occurring, uh, military personnel don't really know what's next for them. I mean, most veterans say that the military prepared them for active duty, but only about half say that they were well prepared for the transition, hmm. even though that transition begins one to two years prior to the completion of their service. And because they've spent a significant amount of time in the military, they might not realize just how extensive their skills and capabilities actually are. Serving in the military requires a combination of strategic, technical, and interpersonal skills, all of which are highly relevant to the project management profession. That's, so that's where PMI comes in. That's we, exactly we what I was... We can help veterans translate. 
Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. Why then uh, explain how PMI is a, a valuable resource to those military veterans? Mm-hmm. So PMI is the world's leading nonprofit advocating for project management as a profession, and we offer a variety of professional development options for people looking to build and grow their career in project management. Something that's unique about us is our very strong community of 3 million members and certified practitioners. It's a great place to network and feel a sense of belonging, especially when you're kind of feeling lost and not sure what's next. The transition can be really daunting, uh, but we have some things that can help support this audience. Uh, In the United States, we have 140 PMI chapters who serve local members. And half of those chapters have military communities that are comprised of individuals who have already done this. They've already made that transition themselves. So our chapter volunteers and training providers can provide coaching and mentoring to veterans to help them document their military experience into a project management resume, which then could be used to uh, go uh, explore job opportunities or even apply for a certification like the PMP, the Project Management Professional, or Certified Associate in Project Management, CAPM. So what advice would you have for veterans who are going through, as we said, uh, nearly a quarter million every year? So this is not an insignificant number of uh, separated military new veterans who are entering the workforce. What advice would you have for those who are transitioning? There's a great chance that military members already have the skills and knowledge needed to pursue a project or program management job. So I'd highly recommend service members look into project management as a career choice. While they were in the military, they were probably leading or participating in missions, working on intricate projects, all of which gave them a skill set to create the scope of a project, to be able to execute that project, manage risks, manage and lead teams. And that's what project management's all about. There is a huge gap today in the availability of skilled professionals. Our research shows that the global economy needs 25 million new project professionals by the year 2030. Mm. And these jobs can also be lucrative. They can earn an average salary of $115,000 a year in the United States. Uh, And something I want to underscore is that by pursuing certification, it can act as a differentiator. It can... Uh, help one stand out uh, with the knowledge, skills, and experience, that badge uh, of showing that they have what it takes to manage projects. What does that certification process look like? And uh, are are there uh, special uh, programs or expedited programs for veterans? So our chapter volunteers and training providers can help our military personnel document their project management resume. So basically taking their military experience and putting that on paper and what that looks like, what the skills and uh, experience that they have. And they can use that to apply for a certification. So they'll document their experience, their education. They could take a preparation course. And this whole process can take a few weeks or uh, up to a year if they feel like they need a little bit more preparation. Now, one thing I want to make people aware of is that there are funding sources available through branches of the military and through the Veterans Administration, not only for military veterans, but also for military spouses. And that can help them obtain one of PMI certifications. Trying to make it a little bit easier to manage that transition uh, out of the military for newer veterans. Again, Brantley Underhill is Managing Director of North America at the Project Management Institute. Where do we get more information and uh, start people on this uh, process so that they can uh, learn more? 
Listeners can visit our website at pmi.org slash military and also access one of our local chapters or authorized training partners there as well. Valuable, valuable information for our veterans. Brantley, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. 20 years of making mornings good mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN, WFIN WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. So, the Black Friday deals uh, are already out there. Um, you know, retailers are trying to get people to start their Christmas shopping early you know, to boost those profits. Because the word is that we're going to be a little bit more, a little bit tighter with our uh, with our budgets this year, and I think this is something that maybe will resonate with people. Because uh, especially when money is tight, you want to uh, you want to give gifts that are rather practical. You know that you know that people are going to use, if not immediately, you know they're going to use eventually. So instead of I don't know buying a new TV or a computer or a fancy video game console, why not purchase something like a casket for a Black Friday? (laughs) That's right. You heard me correctly. A casket, Titan casket, which uh, interestingly enough, it says here, provided the casket for the funeral scene in uh, the Taylor Swift music video for her song Antihero is offering a Titan casket. They are offering a first of its kind Black Friday deal. Buy a casket for your future funeral, get a $50 discount now, and save your family from spending thousands of dollars more at the time of need. (laughs) So it's the gift that keeps on giving. (laughs) The uh, sale has been uh, been dubbed the Pre-Plan Your Casket Program. So if you head to Titan Casket's website, you use the promo code FUNERALRULE. To save yourself 50 bucks on your casket. Or, I suppose, you could have a casket for someone else. It is very practical. You know, you know that someone's going to use it. Maybe not now, maybe not tomorrow. Hopefully not next week or next month, but eventually it's going to get used. (laughs) Wow. Um, that is the ultimate in practicality. How do you wrap something like that? I don't know. Elsewhere in the uh, broken news, you know how, um, if you happen to know a police officer, you know, if you have a cop that's a, that's a friend, they'll tell you, uh, they've seen, they've seen it all, but maybe not every now and then you, a story comes along where, even the most jaded cops say, I've never seen that one before. Police in Arizona said they pulled over a driver for DUI and discovered an owl in the passenger seat. <laughs> That's right. An owl riding shotgun. Officers in the town of Payson, Arizona, asked the driver what in the world an owl was doing in the passenger seat of his car. He explained that he bought the bird at a gas station northeast of Phoenix. I'm guessing that's not exactly what happened. 
But who knows the real story? The man was uh, taken into custody for DUI, possession of methamphetamine, and <laughs> possession of wildlife without a permit. Um, the owl, reportedly later picked up by the Arizona Department of Fish and Game, and will be treated for minor injuries. Rehabbed back into the wild, apparently. This <laughs> is just weird. An owl in the passenger seat. That's a new one. Uh, another animal story here, and boy, you talk about a nasty fall. Firefighters, uh, Long Island, New York, recently uh, were called in to rescue a black lab French bulldog mix who fell 12 feet down into a cesspool uh, through a manhole uh, that had been uncovered for service. You know, this, the manhole uh, cover was off. And the dog fell into the cesspool. Oh, the Melville Volunteer Fire Department responded to the dog swimming in the cesspool. Uh, they used a rescue tripod and an animal snare to lasso Duke and lift him to safety. The dog was uninjured, taken to the uh, veterinarian for further evaluation and uh, probably a really good bath. You, man, but all's well that ends well. Thank goodness. Yeah. Speaking of falls, or similar, uh, I guess this is a similar type of story, not involving a cesspool, and involving a human rescue of the fairy tale sort. An experienced diver uh, off of uh, Catalina Island in California got himself into trouble and uh, lost consciousness while scuba diving with his son and a friend uh, last month. Pablo Avila um, was uh, diving with a, his son and a friend when he uh, suddenly lost consciousness and he was at risk of drowning. Fortunately for Pablo, uh, the day of his dive coincided with the second day of a mermaid training course nearby. <laughs> and you know what's going to happen in this story, right? A 33-year-old mermaid performer and diver from Miami who is leading the certified diving course in open water jumped into action when they heard the calls for help. Ellie Jimenez and two of her students, all donning their mermaid fins, used their training and their tails to take control of the situation, and they rescued Pablo from the, the risk of drowning. <laughs> uh, they said they hope the story spreads the word that mermaiding takes athleticism, and they're not just pretty tails. And he's got a story to tell about how he was rescued by a mermaid. <laughs> no, seriously, I was rescued by a mermaid. Three of them, in fact. <laughs> Again, I love a story with a happy ending. And finally, in the broken news this morning, a story that just kind of leaves you shaking your head happened in Ormond Beach, Florida, where uh, three young ladies racked up quite a bill when they broke into the Imperial Foam and Insulation business and wreaked havoc inside. They reportedly slashed bags of polystyrene, took fork forklifts on joy rides and crashed them, destroyed pieces of property, and uh, spray-painted graffiti all over the place. Two of the young ladies even spray-painted their uh, names on uh, some foam blocks 
<laughs> spray painted their names on some foam blocks, which is probably how they would have been identified had they not made enough ruckus that employees heard the commotion and entered the warehouse in time to see them running off. Uh, the uh, girls were apprehended by police and were charged with uh, several felonies. Uh, trespassing, burglary, criminal mischief. The business estimates the escapade will cost about $350,000 to repair. That's how much damage. Uh, all three of the girls were between the ages of 12 and 13. 12 and 13. And there you go. I wonder what uh, world is coming to. There you go. That is uh, today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. And yet another major brand just announced is halting all social media advertising. The two most overused and abused words in advertising are truth and trust. They are the two most precious commodities for all brands, big and small. As an advertiser, you have to trust your partners to protect your brand's truth using the media consumer's trust. Radio, it's on. This message provided by WFIN. Time now for your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. So... Would it come as a shock if I told you that people were being more rude to each other today than they used to be? Uh, probably not. I mean, if you think of all of the viral videos that we see just about every day, there's a new video of somebody doing something obnoxious uh, at a fast food joint or getting downright violent with flight attendants. We've seen those videos hit the Internet. Well, a new survey shows lots of people are being downright rude lately. Georgetown University management professor Christine Porath has studied human incivility for 20 years. She's been studying this as a phenomenon and this aspect of human behavior. And she recently published the results of her latest survey, her latest poll on this in the Harvard Business Review is a survey of 2,000 frontline workers, uh, people from all over the world who deal directly with customers, uh, whether it's healthcare workers on the front lines, uh, waiters, grocery baggers, so professional and non-professional career people alike. And again, this is from all over the world, people from all over the world. So this is a global issue, not just in this country. And she says that, even though rudeness has been on the rise for many years, the COVID pandemic seems to have caused a major uptick in the number of people just being downright jerks to each other. 76%, well, 70% uh, of those in the survey, 70% say that they witness customers in their job. They witness customers behaving badly at least two or three times a month, uh, which is you know, almost weekly, uh, bi-weekly, if not weekly. 76% have experienced um, uh, incivility at least once per month. 
but 70% of those say two or three times a month. Nearly three quarters of those in the survey say it is becoming common for customers to be rude. And that is a steep increase uh, from 2012. Ten years ago, 61% of respondents said that. Now it is uh, three quarters, so almost 75%. Uh, this survey showed a uh, survey showed nearly eight in 10 of those uh, individuals in the poll say bad behavior is worse now than it was five years ago. 80% say it's gotten worse. And all of this bad behavior isn't just directed at employees either. 66% of those polled say that they have witnessed customers being rude to each other more than they have in previous years. And I thought this was kind of interesting. Uh, the folks in the poll admitted that they were not immune from the growing, growing rudeness epidemic themselves. 73% admitted that they had been rude to their co-workers most often blaming it on stress, which has been on the rise thanks to the pandemic and high inflation and other factors. But uh, we're all being rude to each other, our coworkers, customers. Hmm. Lauren Bernard Kitzler is with us from the Hancock County 4-H program, the OSU Extension, and uh, we were just talking a little bit before and on the air. It said this is uh, the slow time, uh, such as it is, but there's not really a slow time <laughs> for, for you at 4-H. Uh, it's really a year-round thing. Yes. Uh, good morning, Chris and the listeners. But yes, like like Chris said, uh, this, there is a slow time on 4-H, but there isn't at the same time, if that makes sense. So it's kind of one of those... You're always um, doing something. Yes, pick up and go and keep moving on, and yeah. um, I guess it makes the year go fast. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's very true. So right now, actually, you're kind of gearing up for the new year, is that... Yes, that is correct. So the new year of 4-H has started. Okay. Its official start date is November 1. Okay. So what that kind of means now is members, advisors, volunteers can go online to our 4-H online portal that we have with Extension, and they can start re-enrolling or enrolling if they're new. Mm -hmm. um, and that is from November 1 to April 1. So okay. the new year has begun. Yes. Okay. So what is involved in that process for the benefit? I mean, I guess for, for folks who have been involved in 4-H uh, for many years, they're kind of old hat to, at this, but for someone who is new and wants to sign up for a 4-H program, how does one go about doing that? Great question. So they can reach out to our office. We have lots of projects. The first step is creating that 4-H online account. That lets us know that you are a registered member, you could say. And then the next step is we help you pick through what projects you like. Um, okay. There's lots of new projects coming out. There's one that's called Ready, Set, Mow. So I'm kind of excited to see what that brings with something to do with mowing your yard. Okay. Um, but there's tons of projects, and we have all of those books and supplies in our office that you can come in and take a look at a book um, before purchasing that book. Or we even have what's called a Family Guide and a Hancock County Handbook, which breaks all of those projects down piece by piece, kind of giving a little bit of background and a description about each of those projects available. And, and just to interject real quickly, there are a ton of projects. Um, again, a lot of folks, especially those who have not been involved in 4-H uh, in the past, 
uh, I think, tend to think of sort of the old school 4-H, uh, very agriculture, uh, home home economics kind of. Uh, you know, so there are all kinds oh, of there's projects. Tons. There are tons. The, the number is unlimited from mowing to sewing to woodworking to clothing, quilting, cooking. I know there's been there's a... There's tons of yeah, options. There's been a, a big push in recent years to include more STEM-related uh, yep, technology, yep, engineering. Yep, that, that hands-on STEM um, technology. We have mm-hmm. robots. We have um, spheros, which are just a um, a sphero ball that is r- ran by iPads. Okay. So lots of options yeah. for those hands-on robotic skills if someone has interest in those. So. Yeah. So, you know, whatever kind of interest you may have, chances are good there's a oh, yeah. 4-H program or project that uh, centers around that. Absolutely, yes. Uh, like I said, the, the number is unlimited with projects. The state does a very good job in making sure all of those are compatible with going down to the state fair. There are a few that do not go to state fair, but we make sure that member knows that right up front um, mm-hmm. from the very beginning. But most projects... Go to state yeah. fairs. So. Now, the flip side of that is obviously, as you were mentioning, thank goodness you have a number of resources available to ha- help folks narrow that down because there are so many. I'm I'm sure for some it can be overwhelming to just kind of try and pick one. Yes, <laughs> so. and thank thank the state they have a wonderful book. It's called the Family Guide, mm-hmm. and that is given out through all um, 88 counties here in Ohio, and our members here in Hancock County will actually be receiving that in the mail this year. This is something new. Okay. We do have copies in our office, of course, to pick out. And then we take one step further for the Hancock County community, and we make a handbook that is available that has our uh, yearly calendar in it, any applications or forms you may need throughout the 4-H year. And then, again, a section of that handbook breaks down those projects a little bit more, fitting the requirements for Hancock County. Okay. So, so uh, again, the... For folks who want to sign up, uh, now is the time you can do that, yes, and it starts time. with a visit to the website. Yep, you can uh, visit our website. You can come into our office. We can help enroll you or re-enroll you um, using that 4-H online portal. So it's it's very easy, and this is something the state is kind of converting to, so it's, a, it's the same across the board for all counties. Um, it's just a step-by-step basic information and then kind of telling us a little bit about yourself, what projects you have interest in. So we can make sure we match you up with something that you will enjoy. And that's uh, the next part of the process. And you will help with that matching those individuals who want to sign up with a 4-H club or group. Yes, most definitely. So with that 4-H online portal, um, telling us about yourself a little bit kind of helps us find that right fit of, oh, maybe we should look at this project instead. Never never steering you away from something, but definitely encouraging you to make sure you fit that right path for you so Mm -hmm. you're having a good enjoyment. Okay, very good. Uh, What else is going on with the uh, launch of a new uh, 4-H year? So we just wrapped up our volunteer recognition banquet. Um, Actually, last week we had that at the Hancock County Fairgrounds in conjunction with our Hancock County Fair Board. Mm -hmm. So just a nice ending thanking everyone that helped put on the fair because it does take a lot of volunteers. Oh, yeah. Um, throughout that entire week process and even clean up afterwards. So, and a lot of people don't think about the aftermath of right. cleaning up from a fairground. Yeah. Um, so we had that and then now we are ready for the new year. So we got um, pro- new projects books coming in. They should be arriving to our office sometime um, and just getting those members signed up and fitting those programs as well as clubs. So That is, uh, it, this sounds like it's going to be a very busy uh, time very soon uh, for you. Again, just a couple of days maybe to relax and breathe and then back at it back at it again. Um, 
And uh, then as soon as folks are signed up, they start to work on those projects and yep. off and, and running. As soon as we get yes. them signed up and approved in our system, they can go ahead and purchase their book if they like. Very cool. uh, June 1 is our ad drop day. So let's say you sign up for something and then you're like, oh, I don't think this is quite for me. Or, okay. hey, I think I want to go ahead and add something else. We have that ability to do that. That deadline ends June 1 for okay. an add or drop project. Okay, so that's, that actually is a good point as well. Uh, again, because we talk about so many options, if you do find that you have picked one and maybe that's not what you expected it to be or it's not quite the, the fit that you thought it was, you can always uh, go back and change. Yep, and, so. and that happens you know, just kind of with anything yeah. else. You know, ah, I don't know if I really like this or not. Or, right. hey, I think I want to try something else. And that's perfectly fine. Um, we have that flexibility um, working together with the, the state and our office as well. So we do have that ad drop and it's just a simple filling out a form and kind of just briefly stating like maybe why you want to change your mind or may, why you want to add something just so we make sure you're not overloading yourself um, because it, some, some of these projects can be a bit so, time consuming. So, so it is possible to actually do more than one project. Oh, absolutely. So, yes. Yeah. We have some members okay. out there that do three, four projects. Wow. So um, some all have obviously different different levels of difficulties okay um so we always want to make sure you're starting kind of off before you take that next step and just jumping right in and so. uh 4-h uh is, is for pretty much all ages i mean i know there's a there's a minimum you have a, a very young the the clover budge program for the very young kids um but you can jump in at pretty much any time yep right? so we so. do have our clover bud program which is for our younger age um mm-hmm. they can still fit in right with our 4-h clubs and then they kind of do their own separate thing of going out and exploring different parts of the county. They've gone to a um, pumpkin patch. I know they team up with the historical museum sometimes. Yeah. But the age to start actual in 4-H is nine and in the third grade. Okay. So. Uh, but again, you don't have to if you've got a fourth grader or a fifth grader or a junior high, you know, middle oh, schooler. Oh, yeah. We, we you welcome jump in anytime. Yep, anytime. Yeah. yeah. And again, uh, not just for the rural community. Again, it is one of not. those. Nope. One of those misperceptions uh about uh, 4-h so uh folks want more information and uh, on all of this um what the web page is the best place yep, to go? you can just visit our website at hancock.osu.edu or stop by or call our office we're happy to help very good uh lauren Berner kitzler again uh hancock county osu extension 4-h educator with us this morning lauren thanks very much and uh certainly and enjoy your uh, holiday season and as things get busy with 4-h here yes Thank you so much. And that will wrap up our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program, of course. And remember, you can get more information on all of the topics we talk about each day on the show at our webpage, and that is goodmornings.net. We are always on 24-7 on the World Wide Web. It's a very short week for us. We're going to take the rest of the week off, take a little R&R. And we will be back with the next new podcast one week from today, Monday, November 21st. We count down to Thanksgiving, which will also be a short week. So until next Monday morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. Have a great week. We'll catch you back here next week.